Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now. Hunt Palmer. Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Holding down the middle of the day. Live from the Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge Studios. This is Hunt Palmer. Welcome in, Hunt Palmer, coming to you from the Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge Studio downtown in the capital city on a Friday. Hope yours is going awesome. Casey Gaines and Taylor Sharp back there on the ones and twos. We can get to the weekend, y'all. We can do it. Two hours here. Hopefully the end of your workday is near. Maybe in the rearview mirror, and we can enjoy another weekend here. Lots of sports on the calendar this weekend. We will talk about a lot of it. We'll talk about a mock draft that just came out from Daniel Jeremiah a little bit later. Got an anniversary to get to at the end of this hour. Uh, Grant Ramey from VolQuest is going to come on to talk about the Tennessee Volunteers, the top of hour number two. And I'll be pretty blunt. Like, it bums me out a little bit that I'm going to open this show grinding NFL because that's not really what I want to do at the top of the show on a Friday in January. I would rather be talking about a huge matchup in the PMAC, a top 10 team coming in here and a chance for LSU to play a great game and do something special in the PMAC. The air's out of the balloon a little bit. I mean, I I think anybody would feel that. I'm going to watch every... I'm going to the game tomorrow, and I'm fairly excited to do so just because I like going to the PMAC and watching LSU, and they're going to be wearing great uniforms, and I I just like watching LSU play basketball, so I'm going to go. But I can't sit here and fake it to y'all like the matchup's very favorable. So we'll get to it when we get to it, which is probably in the next segment. And then with Grant at the top of hour number two. But it's not the lead of the show today. It just it can't be the way that LSU is playing in the matchup against Tennessee tomorrow. But we'll get to it when we get to it. Take it or leave it. We'll finish things up at the end of the show. But we will start with the National Football League. This is uh, probably the best weekend of the year in the NFL. You've got four games. You've got all the best teams. You've got great storylines. And starting Saturday midday, you got football to grind that matters against with really good teams out there. So we'll talk it game by game. Saturday, it's Jags and Chiefs. It'll be at 3.30 our time on NBC. I won't get that, so I'll be at the PMAC, but I'd have to throw some Peacock on if I wanted to watch it. Chiefs are 8.5 point favorite. Look, these two teams played in November. The Chiefs won it 27-17. to Um, I think the Jags are a little different team than they were then. They had kind of turned the corner in November after a really bad start, but not quite the team they are today. They're here fairly improbably. We know that based on what we saw last week. It's an avalanche of turnovers by Trevor Lawrence. Chargers get up 27 points, and then Jacksonville with a ridiculous miracle to come back in the second half. So does Jacksonville have a chance in this game is the question. And I think the answer is yeah. Their pass rush second in the NFL over the last five weeks of the season. And they sacked Herbert three times last week. So they're playing very well up front on defense. But the Chiefs may have the best offensive line in terms of pass protection 
in the NFL. You look at some pro football focus grades and pass rush win rate and stuff like that. The Chiefs are near the top in all of them. So you'd like to get back there and put a lot of pressure on Mahomes. That's avenue number one to get home. But is that realistic? I don't know. I think what's more realistic for Jacksonville is their young quarterback is going to have to grow up immediately and shine bright. He's got to do the same thing that Joe Burrow did last year where he showed up in the playoffs and just put the team on his back. Now, we'll certainly need a little bit of help. Travis Etienne can help. Last week, 20 carries, 109 yards. You can do that. You certainly help your quarterback. A little bit cliche. I try to stay away from cliches when I possibly can. But to run the ball with Travis Etienne, to keep the ball when you're on the road and Mahomes on the other side, seems to be a positive strategy. It's cliche, I know. How often do you hear when a team's got a good offense? Well, best uh, best defense is good ball control offense. But it may ring true here. The Chiefs do give up four and a half yards a carry. That's 18th in the NFL, far from elite. I'm going to take the Chiefs to win this game, but I like Jacksonville in the eight and a half points. I think the Jags are pretty tough. I think that Lawrence has the ability to make some plays. I can't throw four picks like last week. Lights out. But I kind of like Lawrence and the Jags to keep it within striking distance. I will take Jacksonville and the eight and a half points. Now the Saturday night cap going to be the Giants at the Eagles. This is going to be a great game. Great game. 7-15 on Fox. Obviously the huge storyline is going to be on Jalen Hurts. I don't need to tell you anything about that. But the question is, is a real one. Like, how much can he do? You're talking about the first matchup in the history of the playoffs with quarterbacks who ran for 700-plus yards on the year, but they do it so very differently. I was talking about this earlier this week with Tom Brady and how everybody else in the in the NFL that's still left in the playoffs, their quarterbacks are moving around a lot. may not be you know, the fastest guys in the league, but they, they do move. Mahomes and Burrow are not the fastest guys in the league, but they, they can move. Jones and Hurts are legit. They're fast. But they're different because Jones has 402 of his 700-plus yards just scrambling and making things happen. Hurts has over 430 yards on the season in designed runs. However, none of them came when he came back in Week 18. So when you take that part of their offense away, I'm not saying that it certainly is, but it may be taken away, it's not the same offense. Take it from a guy who paid a lot of attention to the Eagles this year on that fantasy team. I had Hurts, I had A.J. Brown, I had Miles Sanders. I was paying attention to what the Eagles were doing. Hurts was running all over the yard. I don't think Philly's offense is going to be high-flying in this game. Hurts is rusty. He may not be fully functional. I think the Giants can slow Philly down. It's going to be the Philly defense that's going to potentially have to win this game for them. Now, they led the NFL in sacks. They can get back there and put some pressure on Daniel Jones. This will be the biggest game he's played in his life. Evan Neal is a serious problem for the Giants at right tackle. Youngster out of Alabama has had his issues this year. The Eagles don't care. They're coming. So if I had to make a play on this game, it would be the under 48 because I think the Eagles' defense is really good. I don't think their offense is going to be cooking. But if you make me take a side, seven and a half is the number. I'll take the Giants and the seven and a half. I'll take the points on both Saturday games from where I'm sitting. Now, Sunday, 
the game that I care about the most. Diehard Bengals fan here. Three years and counting. Uh, Bengals are at the Bills at 2 o'clock on CBS. Bills are a five and a half point choice. A lot of people are looking at that line going, man, that seems like a lot of points. It's pretty obvious. The Bengals' line is shot. It was just announced an hour and a half ago that Alex Kappa, who was on a scooter last week, is ruled out for the game. And Jonah Williams, who dislocated his kneecap last week, is out for the game. So you're talking about an offensive line that they spent all this money on. They went and got Kappa from Tampa. They went and got Lael and signed him to put him at right tackle. They've invested a first-round pick in Jonah. Like, they've put some money into that offensive line, and now you're missing one of your, your best guard and your left tackle and your right tackle. The offensive line is in shambles. So they're going to pin their ears back and go after Joe, and that's frightening because as much as you want to lean back on the Tennessee game last year and go, hey, they, they couldn't block Tennessee either and Joe just made it work. That's not sustainable. That is not sustainable. In, the, in my opinion, in this game, Cincinnati is going to have to try to run the football because if you decide you're going to drop back and let Joe throw it 42 times, this offensive line is not going to hold up and Joe's going to get punished, hit hard, Crowd will be into it. You just can't win like they've got to get mixed and go in some way, shape, or form. The Bills are fourth in the league in run in run defense, so it's not going to be easy. But they've got to keep Joe upright. Buffalo turned it over a lot last week, once for a touchdown. You might need that if you're the Bengals. Might need to to make a play on Allen, and and get a pick and set up a little bit of a short field. I think it's going to be tough sledding at times for the for the Bengals on offense because that offensive line. That's just something you can't mask. You lose 60% of your line. It's just a big deal. It's an amazing matchup, though. And it? Like, the Bengals have won nine in a row. The Bills have won eight straight. The Bills are 4-0 and in Orchard Park in the playoffs under McDermott. The Bengals won both of their road games last year. Like, there are so many storylines. This is what we've been waiting for all year. The three teams in the AFC do in battle. You assume Jacksonville is not going to survive this week. Maybe they do. I certainly have them with the points. But you assume that it's basically KC over whoever survives this one, and then you get the duel in the AFC Championship game. That's what we've been pointing to all year long, and that's what you're going to get, I think. I'll take Buffalo. I will lay the five and a half in this game. I just think that offensive line is too much to overcome. Breaks my heart. Hope it's not the case. But that's, that's where I'm headed. Cowboys and Niners are the uh, the last game on Sunday. Taylor, I'm going to get your thoughts here shortly. But this game, for me, really brings back a lot of childhood memories. Um, I was a kid in the 90s when Aikman and Young were dueling in the playoffs every year. We talked about it last week, how the Cowboys hadn't won a road playoff game since 92. And it was you know Ricky Waters and Steve Young and, and that crew. And then it was Aikman and Emmitt and Irvin and Harper and Novacek and that crew. And this was the NFL's best matchup when I was really young. Now, I've lost my passion for it, but it does bring back some memories when you see those those uniforms. The uh, Cowboys lead the NFL in pressure percentage. They're second in sacks per drop back. That pass rush is hellacious. Brock Purdy hasn't quite seen anything like this. Now, he's made some plays under pressure, but I don't think it was anything quite to this degree. That's the issue for the Niners. The issue for the Cowboys is that Dak is still turnover prone despite what happened four or five days ago. The Niners are tied with Pittsburgh for the most picks in the NFL this year at 20. That defense is legit. 
But it comes back to me to what is Purdy going to do? Is he going to be able to make his weapons are incredible. Debo, McCaffrey, Ayuk, Kittle. Like we got it. They got the, the, the weapons, but there have only been four rookie quarterbacks to make the conference title game. Mark Sanchez made it in 09. Flacco made it in 08. Big Ben made it in 04. And Sean King, Tulane's own, made it in 1999. Obviously, all four of those lost when they got to the conference title game, but it's hard, hard to do. The line's four. I think the Cowboys can make things tough on the Niners' offense. I do know that the Niners' defense is going to be tough, but I will take the Cowboys in the four points here. I don't know if they win it, but I'll take the points. Taylor, where's your confidence level here? Did you get a shot in the arm last Monday? Yeah, actually a little bit. Hey, um, I like that. Look, this, this is going to be a defensive game. You mentioned Cowboys pass rush. Purdy hasn't seen anything like that. But at the same time, can the Cowboys run the ball against the 49ers defense? They're still very much a run-first offense. You mentioned Dak played great, but that's because the running game was also working very well. They can't get that done. They're going to have problems as well. So I, I think it's it's going to come down to the front seven on both teams. It's going to be close. Uh, the Cowboys can get it done. I yeah. don't know if they will. Um, I think it's the game of the weekend, though. you have any superstitions cooking? Are we drinking the same thing? Are we wearing the same shirt? What do we got? No, I don't do I don't okay. do superstitions. Right. I'm not a I'm not a superstition guy. I'll have my my Zeke Elliott jersey on <laughs> like I do pretty much every weekend. So rolling right. with that. All right, I I like the Cowboys to keep it close. I think it's popular for Americans, people in the country, to like to hate on the Cowboys and to doubt the Cowboys. It's a popular thing to do. Uh, they developed that culture in the '90s, and it just it is what it is. They're pretty good. The roster's good. The quarterback can be really good. Now San Francisco. I talked about it yesterday. Like they've established themselves as the best team in the league, with the caveat of if Purdy keeps doing this, we'll see. I, I like it to be close. I like the Cowboys. I will. I will take those four points. I know Jimmy and Charlie are on the other side, so they're a lot sharper than me. They tend to win a lot more of their picks than I do, but it's the way I feel about that one. That's your uh, your setup for the NFL on Saturday. I'm going to take the points in both instances. I'm going to take the Jags in eight and a half. I'm going to take the Giants in the seven and a half. Um, in the uh, Bengals-Bills game, I am going to lay the five and a half with Buffalo. I just think that's going to be a problem for the Bengals up front. And then I'm going to take the Cowboys and the points, four of them, in the uh, Saturday, Sunday afternoon until it's going to be a huge weekend in the National Football League. Tigers are going to wear cool uniforms tomorrow. Uh, that's going to be fun to watch. How fun's the game going to be? I'll let you know next. Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. LWCC is Louisiana loyal, elevating and celebrating champions of Louisiana each and every day here on the Hunt Palmer Show. And all January long, we're telling you about Hunters for the Hungry, nonprofit that was founded by a group of local hunters to share the game and fish they harvest every single year with the needy. Since their start in 1994, Hunters for the Hungry has expanded throughout the state. And now they're partnered with all five major food banks in Louisiana. There are over 900,000 resident hunters and anglers in the state, and that contributes to 24,000 jobs and an economic impact of over $1.6 billion. Just a huge piece of our state, Sportsman's Paradise here. And hunters for the Hungry makes that into a charitable cause by helping the needy, by feeding them with the harvest each and every year. You didn't know one deer can provide 240 meals. It's amazing the work that they do over at Hunters for the Hungry. If you know a business or a nonprofit or a person that does awesome stuff, in our great state, LWCC wants to recognize them. Make them a champion of Louisiana so that we can tell their story. Go to lwcc.com backslash champions, lwcc.com backslash champions, and nominate that company, that business, that person to be a champion of Louisiana. Hunters for the Hungry, champion for Louisiana for January. That's all presented by LWCC. 
This is Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. You head out to the PMAC tomorrow and watch LSU and Tennessee, or you, you tune in on TV. You're going to see the Tigers in some some throwback uniforms. And y'all know me. I'm the uniform police. I'm a curmudgeon. I hate when they do stuff with the football uniform. It drives me nuts. Uh, in this case, I love what they're doing tomorrow. They're throwing it back to the 1979 SEC championship team, an era that was Al Green, Dwayne Scales, Ethan Martin, Cookie Man, Greg Cook, Willie Sims, Lionel Green, Jordy Holtberg, that era of basketball here under Dale Brown, and they're going with the stars and scripts. It's got Louisiana over the top with a number and the script state under. They've got on the right, um, on the right shorts, some uh, purple and gold stars. Uh, Taylor's got a picture up right now if you're watching on YouTube of KJ Williams modeling the uniform. It is phenomenal. They are going to look great tomorrow when Tennessee comes to town. And the guys are fired up about it. I, I saw a video a little earlier this week of them revealing the uniforms of the guys, and they were like, they were really into it. Uh, and then you saw Adam Miller uh, posting on the uh, on the Instagram when LSU re- released the video, said, "Don't count us out yet." That's the biggest thing for me with this basketball team right now. It is how much can they continue to commit to getting better and playing hard. Because this was always going to be a really bumpy stretch, and now it's gotten bumpier than some thought. You didn't think you were going to get beat by 40 in the first half by Alabama. Not really being competitive on your home floor with Florida. It's not not what you would have imagined. And they got to find a way to keep, to use another cliche, chopping wood, and, and come to play and come to play hard. If they don't play really hard tomorrow, they're going to get killed they may get killed if they play really hard tomorrow because this is an awful matchup but they've got to continue to commit to playing hard so hopefully they bring a little energy and a little juice tomorrow for a three o'clock tip off inside the maribich center tennessee's coming to town we'll talk to grant ramey coming up at the uh, at the top of hour number two at two o'clock and he'll give us a little more in-depth scouting report including a couple of injury updates for tennessee but i'll give you kind of my thoughts on the balls as they come in they're 15 and three on the year. Uh, they're five and one in league play. They're number nine in the country according to both polls. They're number two in the net. Uh, so they've had a really strong go. They look very good on paper. They look really good on the floor as well. They've beaten Southern Cal. They beat Kansas. They beat Maryland. They've beaten Mississippi State twice in conference play. Uh, their losses this year to Colorado and Arizona in the non-conference, and then they had that stinker up in Knoxville against Kentucky a couple weekends ago, uh, or last weekend. Um, so th- those are their three losses. But this is a team under Rick Barnes that is elite defensively. I mean elite. And it's not like Nolan Richardson's Arkansas team that's 40 minutes of hell, pressing you all over the place, forcing steals and turnovers. They flat out sit down and guard you. They're long, they're really athletic, they're aggressive, and they just don't let you blow by and get easy buckets. You end up shooting over the top of them almost every time. It's really impressive to watch. They're number one in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency, number one in the country in field goal percentage defense, number one in the country in three-point percentage defense by a wide margin. They're ninth in the country in steals per game. They're fifth in limiting opponents' assists per possession. They've held their opponent... Under 50, under 50, nine of 18 games. 
in SEC road games that they've played, they're allowing 53.3 points per game. They have only allowed three players all year to score 20. It's really impressive to watch Rick Barnes' team defend. On offense, they've had their days where they've been very good, and like with most teams, they've had their days where they, they weren't. Against Kentucky, they really struggled to finish around the rim. That can happen sometimes. Their offensive efficiency is 56 in the country. Not terrible, but not something crazy. Um, in a couple of SEC games, they've gotten cooking on offense. They scored 87 on a good Mississippi State defense. They scored 85 at South Carolina, 77 on Vandy. Scored 70 at Mississippi State. But again, against Kentucky, they scored 63. They just couldn't, couldn't get it done. Now, on the injury front, we'll get an update from Grant here in 30 minutes, but Santiago Vescovi got hurt against Kentucky. He did not play against Mississippi State. It's a shoulder issue. We'll see what uh, what his availability is. And then Tyreek Key, their starting guard, uh, was sick over the weekend or over the week, so we'll see if he's able to uh, to give it a go on Saturday afternoon in the PMAC. If he is, he's kind of their starting point guard with Vescovi out and Zakai Ziegler coming off the bench. He's a really good player. But uh, Key's a 6'2 grad student. He's, uh, he's nine points per game, 36% from three. Just a solid, solid guard for him. And he's 6'2. Everybody else in the starting lineup is 6'6 or taller. They played Josiah Jordan-James at this like hybrid 2-3 position. Um, interestingly enough, I thought for two years, he's been there forever, he's a senior. I thought for two years his name was Josiah, and his last name was Jordan-James, like he maybe had parents, stepfather, something he combined or whatever. Um, but no, his name's Josiah Jordan and his last name's James. So the more you know on that one, hyphenated first name. Uh, but 6'6", 225-pound senior, nine points and, and three and a half rebounds per game. He is a ridiculous defensive player. At 6'6", oftentimes he will take the team's best two guard and guard them. And he's just as athletic, just as quick, and usually longer than what the two guard is. So um He's a 36% three-point shooter, solid there, but he is a really, really good defensive player. You'll know the name Julian Phillips. Julian Phillips was signed to play with Will Wade in LSU. Five-star recruit, top 15 player in the country, McDonald's All-American, just a great talent that was going to be here in Baton Rouge. Will Wade gets fired. The entire signing class says, I'm out, and he ends up in Knoxville. He leads Tennessee in free throws attempted. Free throws made, and he's shooting 81% from the line. That's at 6'8". He's scoring 10 points a game, 5.5 rebounds per game. He leads the team in offensive rebounding. He's a really good athlete. He's a pretty skilled player. Hasn't shot it quite as well from the field, but he does get fouled a ton, and he's a good free throw shooter. He's going to be a heck of a college player. Uh, I think he may have another year left. We'll see. But he's a really, really talented prospect. Uh, Olivier Kamwa is their 4'6'9", 240-pound senior. Developing a theme here. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Their point guard, Tyreek Key. Grad student. Josiah Jordan James. Senior. Olivier Kamwa. Senior. We'll get to Euros Plavchitz here in a second. He's a senior. They're going to start four seniors. That's very rare in college basketball. But Kamwa is one. He's kind of an enforcer. 6'9", 240. 11 points and 5 rebounds. 62% two-point shooter. Doesn't really stretch it much. But he's he's a tough player. He'll block shots. He'll get rebounds. He's tough to finish over, as is the case with most of the guys they put out there. A uh, good player. And then Euros Plavšić is their enforcer. He's their tough guy. He's in, one that gets into these little chippy shoving matches every game. He'll jaw at you. He's seven foot one, 265 pounds, and he ain't going nowhere. And he is... Purely a back-to-the-basket player. Has not attempted a three all year. He's going to the post. He's blocking shots. He's getting rebounds. And he's going to grab, you know, put some dunks down. Six points, four rebounds. That's him. Now, Zakai Ziegler's going to call out the bench, and he's awesome. I love Zakai Ziegler's game. He's short. He's 5'9", but he can shoot it. He had 24 in the game over the, this week. He scores 11 a game. He's got 81 assists, which leads the team. I guess they just like his burst off the bench. They want him to come in with some fresh legs to to pop some starters who have been out there for five, seven minutes. But when he comes in, he's a factor. And then Jonas Adu is their uh, their other lean, long, lean guy off the bench. He's, uh, he's 6'11". He leads the team in block shots coming off the bench. So, look, here's the deal. This is why they're so good on defense. Josiah Jordan-James at the two, 6'6", great wing, great defender. Julian Phillips at the three, 6'8", great athlete. Olivier Kamwa at the four, 6'9", 240, long can go. Juris Plavšić, 7'1", 265, is an enforcer down there. And then they can bring Jonas Adu in at 6'11". So, again, it's not that you just, you're going to turn the ball over a ton against these guys. And LSU's done a great job of not turning it over. I mean, in that atrocious offensive half they had back on Wednesday in the first half where they couldn't throw it in the ocean, they didn't turn it over but twice. They just missed every shot. It was just shocking. It wasn't, I mean, Auburn blocked some, but they just couldn't make it. And again, I said this entering the Auburn game, like if you want to keep driving it in there and throwing up shots off the glass, be my guest, but it's not very efficient and they're not scoring. And I just don't think that LSU, whether it's Miller, who's not an elite athlete and is not super long, whether it's, you know, Trey Hannibal, who's fairly short, whether it's Justice Williams, who doesn't play in traffic all that much, like those guys driving in there against Kamwa and Plavšić and Adu, I just don't know how efficient that's going to be. Now, hopefully KJ can pull one of those guys away from the rim more often than not. You're going to have to play him on the perimeter a good bit just to stretch their defense a little bit. But... LSU's just going to have to make some more shots. I don't know how much more plainly to put it. I don't think the shots they're taking are terrible. I don't think all their players are terrible. I think they're missing almost everything they put up, which at some point has got to change a little bit. But again, Tennessee's not going to turn you over 29 times in a game. They're not going to full-court press, trap you three-quarter court. They're just going to say, all right, here we are. Come on. And LSU hasn't proven to this point that they're capable of doing that. This is going to be something that I probably say before every game as we're kind of getting you ready for it. 
But if LSU doesn't make 14 or 15 threes in this game, they're going to have trouble scoring. Tennessee's bigger, older, stronger, longer. It's tough down there. So hopefully the intensity matches the uniforms and is really good. Hopefully some early shots go through. Kentucky scored on these guys a little bit. They were struggling offensively. Unless you didn't have the pros Kentucky has. But it's a tough matchup. I can't honestly tell you there's another team that I would least rather play if I'm LSU than this one. Because LSU's having such a tough time scoring and Tennessee just doesn't allow it. But we'll see. Tip off at 3 o'clock inside the PMAC. If you want to listen, you can catch it on our sister station, Eagle 98.1, 2.30 pregame with Chris Blair and John Brady. I'll be out at the PMAC. Looking forward to it. Free swing. Get out there and see what you can do. Don't know that I expect it to go all that great, but that's, I guess, why they, they throw it up in the air and you go play. Tigers and Vols tomorrow. We'll get a uh, thought on, from it one with uh, Grant Romy coming up at 2 o'clock. When we come back, there's a mock draft out, and LSU may be looking at another transfer portal ad. I'll tell you who that is next on the Hunt Palmer Show. Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Bayou Ford. Check out the inventory. BayouFord.com. If you're not happy with what you're driving around, change it. Bayou Ford can get you off on a great start there with their buyback program. They'll buy your vehicle from you. That'll give you a leg up to purchase the car that you want. If they've got it on the lot, awesome. Check it out. If they don't, don't settle. It's right there on the website at BayouFord.com. Don't settle because the car that you want is not on the lot. They can customize a vehicle for you and have it turned around in 60 to 90 days. And when they do that, one of their six full-time drivers is going to drive that car right to your home or your office with the paperwork. You don't have to go anywhere. Just sign it. They'll give you the keys. You're off and running. And every new purpose over at Bayou Ford comes with a million-mile powertrain warranty, whether it's the Mustang, Bronco, Explorer, Expedition. Bayou Ford's got it. Let them customize it for you. Gets you in a new set of wheels in this new year. BayouFord.com is the website. Bayou Ford, where they're going to do right by you. You're listening to Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. So LSU's still digging around in the transfer portal, rummaging through. What can we find? Does, it, does this look good? Can we use this? Kind of what it looks like. And there's a name that has surfaced today based on his social media where he posted a big LSU logo. I don't know if it's referencing a visit or interest or an offer. I don't know what it is, but there's a starter from the ACC that is posting LSU, so we're going to talk about it. And his name's Ja'Kai Clark. Ja'Kai Clark is a 6'3", 305-pound, fourth-year junior from the University of Miami, where he has been the starting center for the last three years. He started 10 games in the COVID year, started nine games in 2021, the last nine of the year, and then this past season was the starting center. We know that you've got Charles Turner back. We know that Marlon Martinez is still around. Question is... Do you add at the center position? And I think the answer is yes. And this is a guy who's got a little more size to him, has played at a, at a, a high level in the ACC, and he adds depth to your offensive line. We know how many guys left in the offensive line. We went through that whole thing with Anthony Bradford. Uh, I mean, sorry, with uh, 
Cardell Thomas yesterday, just kind of talking about all the guys that had left. And you've got your front line, and you feel good about the guys that you've drafted. But the middle piece there is important to plug a player here or there if you find one that's capable. And it appears they have. And so I would sincerely hope that Ja'Kai Clark will end up in Baton Rouge. Um, again, I don't know where, where in the process they are here. Um, if you're saying to yourself, wait, I thought the portal closed yesterday. You're right, it did. Uh, it doesn't mean you can't commit or enroll somewhere. You just had to get in it. Once you're in, you have carte blanche and do whatever you want. You just can't get in and then go somewhere after that window closes. So Ja'Kai Clark is in. He can take visits. He can enroll wherever he wants. He can do that as his one-time transfer. So I'm all for it. I hope Ja'Kai Clark ends up as a, a Tiger because he's a three-year starter at Miami. That works for me. So we'll keep you posted. If we hear anything or there's some kind of commitment, we'll, we'll fire away. Wanted to talk a little bit about Daniel Jeremiah's 2023 NFL mock draft. It's his first one. Writes for uh, NFL.com. And you know that it's not super fun to talk about the Saints because they don't have a pick. But I am interested in just kind of how we see things shaking out now that the college football season's in the rearview mirror and it's full-scale draft season for all the teams that aren't still hanging around in the playoffs. And Jeremiah does assume here that the Bears do not trade out and that they do make a selection and that it's not a quarterback, which is interesting because the Bears hold all the cards. They have a quarterback they like. They have the first pick. They've got a ton of cap space and they have a ton of holes in their roster that they've got to fix. So they got a lot of options, but it says they would take Jalen Carter here, the defensive tackle from Georgia, which would let Bryce Young fall to the Texans at number two, assuming they have that pick and not Sean Payton as their coach but we think that the, that might not be the pick that's swapped anyway. But we would have the Texans taking Bryce Young and Will Anderson falling to the Cardinals at number three. He does have Will Levis going fourth, which I still think is crazy to me, uh, but he's got the Colts taking Will Levis at four. Question is, does he have any LSU Tigers in the first round? And the answer is yes. As you continue to look through these mock drafts, you continue to see B.J. Ojolari's name kind of pop up towards the end of the first round. And in this case, he does. He pops up at the Broncos at number 28. Uh, the uh, the little snippet says, the first round is going to be heavy on edge rushers. Ocelori has a quick first step and active hands as a pass rusher. The Broncos traded Bradley Chubb to Miami during the fall, also acquiring this pick in the deal. And the LSU product would be a solid replacement. So I think that would be great if BJ did go in the first round as it is uh, kind of pegged here. A couple of other names that get caught my eye. Um, I just took a peek. Okay, what does he have the Bengals doing? Again, die hard for three years here. I got to be invested in what the Bengals are going to do in the draft. Um, they got to take Darnell Washington, the monster tight end from Georgia in the first round. It says Washington can function as a sixth offensive lineman in the run game, regularly using his massive 6'7", 270-pound frame to dominate at the point of attack. The two-time national champion is still growing and developing in the passing game, though. But to say he can't be still growing. There's no way he's still growing. He's the largest human I've ever seen. Um, I just, I always found it hysterical, and I mentioned this a few times on the show as we were going through the SEC Championship game and the playoff and all that. Um, Brock Bowers is a big dude. Big, strong, physical, filled out dude. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And he would stand next to Darnell Washington in the huddle when I was watching Georgia games and look like me. I mean, just, it's, Darnell Washington is the hugest tight end I've ever looked at. 6'7", 270, and he can move. So um, that's that's interesting to me as well. As far as the quarterbacks go, they've got Anthony Richardson going and pick 22 to the Ravens. Um, I don't know what the Ravens quarterback situation is going to look like at that point. We all assume that they're going to ink Lamar Jackson and they're going to get that figured out. But I was listening to Rex Ryan, who obviously worked in that organization as defensive coordinator before he got a head coaching job. He said, look, this is not a team, an organization that is going to overpay if they don't think it's right. If they think they've got Huntley to be the backup who can be a potential starter and they think that can work, then they're going to do that and they're going to move on and take their draft pick. I was like, you got to be kidding me. An MVP of the league? You can just let him walk? Certainly wouldn't want to go into the season with Huntley and Anthony Richardson as my two quarterbacks. That doesn't sound appetizing at all. But I, I guess the big, fast, strong thing is is intoxicating, but I just don't get it with Richardson or Levis. Have y'all watched Anthony Richardson throw the football? It's herky-jerky. It's inaccurate. It's erratic. I know guys can improve, but that doesn't look like a guy that I'm looking forward to to win games for me in the NFL. But it's that position. People just overpay and overpay and overpay because they're so desperate to get it right. And all these teams that have been cycling through quarterbacks, and hopefully the Saints aren't one of those sitting here two, three years from now, but it's certainly possible, have to be looking at San Francisco going, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You go out there with Jimmy G and you draft Trey Lance and they get hurt and you just throw some seventh round pick in there and he's throwing it all over the place. We've been looking for a quarterback for 15 years. He was here, Jets fans, Bears fans. You did what in the seventh round? But teams are going to continue to jump and jump and jump and try to find a quarterback. And that's the assumption that's being made here that, uh, that quarterbacks are going to continue to fly off the shelves. You got CJ Stroud going ninth to Carolina which I think would be a really good pick if you could get him at nine. I just don't see how you could let C.J. Stroud slide to nine. Feels like somebody would jump up there and go get him. But what do I know? I'm just reading off a mock draft. That's Daniel Jeremiah. You can find on ESP on NFL.com rolling through. And it's just a bummer that you roll through and you're looking, what, what could the Saints do here? What, where do they pick? What? Eh, no, got nothing. That's a... Not a great spot to be in, but it is the uh, the plight of the black and gold. No first-round pick this year. Uh, Garrett Ramey, Grant Ramey is going to be with us from VolQuest.com at 2 o'clock talking about the Vols as they come in to play LSU in the PMAC tomorrow. Going to get you set up for the uh, SEC slate in, uh, in college basketball on Saturday. A little bit of Pels in the second hour as well, and then we'll play some take it or leave it and get on down the road. Hope, you're, uh, hope your Friday's going awesome. Hope your work week is either in the rearview mirror or very, very close to it. But hang with us for another hour and 15 minutes. We're with you on the Hunt Palmer Show. Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. The NFL playoffs are heating up, and with FanDuel, every play is a rush. New customers join today, so you can bet the divisional round with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Sign up with the promo code 104.5 ESPN. Get $150 in free bets. Throw it all at the Bengals if you suit that fancy. You can catch some good action on them. 
America's number one sportsbook has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, with FanDuel, you can even combine your bets for a chance at an even bigger payout with the same game parlay. It's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet and get $150 in free bets. Win or lose with the promo code 1045ESPN. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Must be 21 present in Louisiana. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bet decision not withdrawable free bets. Expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. It's time to sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you're somebody who has a game problem, help. Call 877-770-STOP. This is Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. So we've been doing some uh, some anniversaries over the last couple of weeks. We did the uh, LSU-Oklahoma National Championship win, the LSU-Clemson National Championship win, just reliving some great memories in Louisiana sports history. And I enjoy that. I enjoy going back and thinking about the, the awesome times and celebrations that those, those moments and days created for us. Uh, but not everything is a super awesome anniversary. And today is one of those days. So we'll throw it back in time a little bit. Four years ago today. Quick snap. Breeze. Pass is incomplete. No flag for Tommy Lee Lewis. Nikel Roby Coleman delivered a hit. And the two officials talk to each other. Crowd's going crazy as there's no flag right on the Saints' sideline. Well, if Nikel Roby Coleman plays the ball, it's an interception. It's probably going the other way with it. I mean, the ball's on the other side of Roby Coleman, and but that should have been a penalty. And you, and John Payton is is justifiably upset. Mike Pereira, if that was a penalty, that would have in essence ended the game. Did you think it was a penalty? Yeah, I really do. I know it's. Oof. That, that, and I don't even have any skin in the game, and it gives me chills. Honestly, I mean, I have them right now just thinking about it and then hearing the crowd's reaction real time when it was just so obvious to everyone what had just happened. And Sean Payton is going ballistic on the sideline. I hadn't thought about the name Tommy Lee Lewis in a minute. Didn't even realize, didn't remember that was who it was intended for. But goodness gracious, was that an awful call. Troy Aikman actually does make a reasonable observation there. If the Rams defender just turns around and looks at the ball, it's probably a pick six. I didn't remember that. Really, either I haven't looked at the that play in a while, but I watched it a couple of times this morning. Just absolutely brutal. And I am with you, Saints fans. If that call is made, the Saints win the Super Bowl. Um, I I believe that. I think it was the best team that year, and I think they they win the game if that call is made. It's first and goal. The Rams are not going to be able to stop the clock. You either kick a chip shot field goal with Lutz, or maybe you punch it into the end zone. Just hellacious. And I I think a lot of people have recollections of where they were, what they were doing. My wife was there. We didn't know each other at the time. But she was at the game and has told me about like her experience there. Just an absolute madhouse in that place. Just how upset people were. I was at Tracy's on Magazine Uptown. And I have never in my life seen a place go from so packed, so full of energy, so full of jubilation and anticipation for the Saints winning this game to, I mean silence and empty. I mean, when the Rams kicked the field goal to win the game, Tracy's was empty in six minutes. Just just gone. 
and it wasn't as emotional a, a time for me because I just don't have that emotional string to the Saints like you know other people at the station do, like most of my friends do. They tell me I'm a closet Saints fan and that I should shut up. And I'm like, oh, I just I can't. I, I, just not the way that I'm wired. And I was there, and I'm certainly hoping the Saints would win because that just makes things a ton more fun down here. But I, I think was able to maybe look at it a little bit more rationally than most people that are listening that were there, that were experiencing it, that were watching. And it still was pathetic that that they would miss it that obviously. Like sometimes you miss a hold because it's away from the football. You're what maybe the officials' eyes are not right where they're supposed to be. Sometimes you know you might miss something that's bang bang like a face mask and a scrum or something. This was a floater into the flat, and there were only two people in view of anybody that was paying attention, whether you're a fan or a player or an official or a television combinator or anybody. There's only two people you're looking at. And he just flattened him right in front of everyone. I it was, I mean, you, it's still playing on my screen here because I was looking it up as, as, uh, as Taylor was playing it in case he was playing it. And Peyton just runs down the sideline, rips his headset off, and just is chewing this official as he should have been. And then I think the chilling thing from hearing it again on on the air like we just did was the reaction, the secondary reaction that the Dome had when they showed it on the Jumbotron. And everyone saw it and went, you've got to be kidding me. And this taboo started raining down. You know, when you look back at Sean Payton and Drew Brees' legacy, we'll see what Sean Payton writes in Chapter 2, but in terms of Chapter 1, which I think is more likely going to be what he's remembered from, if he has a better run and a longer sustained run at Stop 2 than at Stop 1, that'll be amazing. But he'll be tied to Brees for a very long time. And it, you'll always go, well, they only won one. Man, they had some, they had some breaks that weren't exactly very good. I mean, they could have won that game in San Francisco. They should have won this game against the Rams. They should have won the game against the Vikings. And who knows? And sure, you can sit here and say, well, they should have t- taken care of it and not put it in the refs' hands. And that's fine. I can. That's, that's fine. But we watched what happened, and it's two of the most ridiculous plays in the history of the league. The Minnesota play and the Nola no-call are two of the most amazing plays in the history of the league. And the Saints were on the wrong end of both of them deep in the playoffs. That's... That stings a lot. So sorry to bring up terrible memories, but it is the fourth year anniversary. Four years ago today, the Nolan no call down in the dome. That'll do it for hour number one here on a Friday. If you missed it, you can catch us on demand, 1045ESPN.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you find your audio, you can certainly find us. Opened up the show, given my preview of the four games in the divisional round of the playoffs, gave you my picks against the spread and one little underplay there. You want to fade them? Have at it. They're right there at the top of the show. Gave you a scouting report on the Tennessee Vols at 115. Little mock draft as well as LSU's eyes in the transfer portal on a center named Ja'Kai Clark from Miami. Old Nolan, no call. If you missed it, you can catch it all on demand. Hour two coming at you. We're going to set you up for SEC slate in uh, in college basketball on Saturday. We'll get you some Pels talk as well when we come back. Grant Ramey from VolQuest is going to join us to talk about the Tennessee Vols as they come in for a, a big matchup in the PMAC tomorrow. Come back with us after Sports Center. It's the Hunt Palmer Show.